Hi all, welcome to a very important episode today on a critical topic known as PEP11, which is short for Petroleum Exploration Permit 11. I'm joined today by the beautiful Belinda Bags, who is best known for her graceful longboard style. A lifelong water woman, surfing and body surfing have connected her to the sea with a strong passion for environmental protection and preservation of all living things. In her role as global sports activist with Patagonia, Belinda was a key campaigner in the successful Fight for the Bite campaign. Belinda is also an ambassador for Take Three for the Sea and recently the co-founder of Surfers for Climate. As a mother, she is committed to safeguarding the future for the next generation, and I'm so pleased that we can talk about this and try and raise some awareness. So welcome today, Belinda. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's great to chat. So we've discussed off air that so many people just have no idea what this refers to, largely due to a lack of media coverage. So we're just going to start at the basics, and you're an expert in this. So let's start off with the obvious question. So what is PEP11? So PEP 11's Petroleum Exploration Permit 11, um, as labelled by the fossil fuel industry, <laughs> um, it's actually 4,500 square kilometres of water that sits off the coastline between Newcastle and Sydney, um, ending at about uh, Sydney Harbour, like Manly area. And uh, the, the zone um, has actually been... Uh, licensed by a group called Advent Energy, also known as Asset Energy. And for the last couple of years, actually, we've been, I've been joining up with environmental organisation from Newcastle called Save Our Coast, who have been battling them um, <laughs> to try and stop some seismic testing issues from going ahead, which is cost we all know is the first part of exploration when you're looking for fossil fuels, particularly in the ocean. Um, we had a com great community win there. They put a lot of pressure on and managed to get the seismic testing stopped, um, which unfortunately now has put us to a point where they're just trying to rush in to explore the area for fossil fuels. Um, currently, the license is set to expire on February 12th. And so there's a big decision that needs to be made by the joint authority, um, Australian government of federal government um, of Keith Pitt and the New South Wales government of John Vallelaro, whether they're going to grant that extension to the licence or not. Yeah, so let's talk about where we're at now. So you were involved last week, you were down in Canberra, and I did see you do a rather gross paddle out, I believe, in Lake, <laughs> Lake Burley Griffin. So what were you doing there? What was that trying to achieve and was it successful? Uh, so... The water, firstly, was absolutely disgusting. It was so gross. Um, very, very brown. Um, I was down there in Canberra with a delegation between uh, Save Our Coast, which I already mentioned, which is the really leading community group from Newcastle, and recently Surf Rider Foundation have gotten on board and really uh, so, so supportful of the issue. Um, so we formed a delegation down there. It was a mix of, like, really, you know, deep into it, nitty gritty in the back scenes campaigners who have been, um, you know, compiling all these fantastic ways that we can take action, such as writing to our MPs and pressuring that, um, along with a lot of us surfers and coastal lovers who really have this like affinity with the ocean, with that area. And, you know, for me personally, I have blood bloodlines that run deep through Newcastle that are all reliant on that area being a healthy ecosystem, both, you know, 
physically, for our health, for our mental health, emotionally, for our great family connection, and also economically. So um, we went to Canberra together. We did the paddle out in Lake Burley Griffin, which was sort of a bit of a demonstration to be, well, you know, if you don't want it in front of your parliament house, we definitely don't want this in our oceans, in our home. And then we did a bit of a press conference with quite a few of the MPs um, who have been standing up and, you know, really representing the constituents of their area, the local people, and, you know, opposing this project. It was bipartisan support. We had... um, members, you know, federal members of parliament from Labor, Liberal, um, Greens and Independents all there together. It it was actually everybody, um, all the federal members who represent people in that zone, all except for Lucy Wicks, who's in the Central Coast. So we were all there together, did a press conference and then they had us in, um, invited us into Parliament House where we got to meet with them and strategize and talk about ways where we can you know, be more successful in this fight to save the waters of Sydney and Newcastle and as well had a few meetings with with other politicians about basically the same thing, like trying to get them to support the campaign and um, ideas moving forward. Let's talk about some of the ramifications from this project. My main concern is that it's going to hugely distress the whale migration path and the dolphin habitat. So I wanted to talk about some of the the implications, because I think sometimes, you know, we do have a lot of environmental issues facing Australia, which is very distressing. But I think a lot of people, if they hear it, they kind of can just have a bit of a cognitive dissonance and just sort of be like, oh, you know, that's another environmental problem. I can't do anything about it, which isn't true. So I kind of just wanted to talk about how it really is going to impact so people will kind of understand the level of detriment that it's going to do. Oh, completely on all levels. So, I mean, you mentioned the whales. We have such an abundant amount of sea life in that area. And despite such a big population being on the coast, I think it's something like 6 million people, um, all depending on that area. It's actually really pristine. The waters are beautiful and clean. Um, You know, there's the odd ship that comes in and out of there, obviously, but for, for the most part, it's, it's a really thriving marine ecosystem. So there's migratory rail, migratory whales, uh, resident dolphins, packs of dolphins who live there, an abundance of sea life. And of course, all that supports a really healthy fisheries industry, both commercial and recreational. So um, a lot of what ends up on our plate in the Sydney and Newcastle area, you know, that's that's from what that's from. Then, you know, obviously, like I mentioned, there's a lot of economies as well, as well that that you know really rely on that thriving ecosystem to continue tourism along the Sydney area scuba divers surfers um you know so many of us so on so many levels it threatens not only our economy but our and our wildlife but also our way of life which um is really really important and you know there's a whole list of threats that could occur we obviously have just spoken about seismic testing um it's off the plate and off the table for now but there's you know no reason why that can't come back on um with more proposals and further environmental plans as they want to reach out and locate better and more drill targets Um, so that you know seismic testing in itself for anyone who doesn't know is such a destructive thing it's um, basically underwater explosions or blasts that occur every you know 30 40 seconds 
24 hours a day, seven days a week to, for months on end. And just to give it a bit of a reference, each blast is um, somewhere around 240 or 50 decibels, which is enough to kill a human if you're within, you know, quite a, a close vicinity mm. to that. And the noise travels up to a thousand kilometers in the ocean. Um, so all these, you know, whales and dolphins and other animals that, that really rely on sonar in order to survive, like communicate to each other, find food, um, look after their young, are really couldn't really be affected by that. Yeah, um, completely disruptive. Oh, really disruptive. And not to mention what it does to the local, local fish stocks as well. Um, and, you know, just even the reef systems below, like we have some really thriving reef systems out there and, you know, they're all really dependent on, on that not happening and going ahead. Um, and then there's obviously the threat of a spill. Now the license is for oil and gas. The primary target is gas, um, which we all know probably isn't as threatening in the sense of a spill occurring, but it is completely possible. Um, and there's also a chance that if there's one, there's the other. So there could be, um, you know, the threat of an oil spill as well as definitely some type of leakage from gas, which sort of puts a, a sheen on, on the ocean surface, has effects on wildlife and, you know, can wash up on our beaches as well. And, you know, not to mention the top line issue, which is going to affect us no matter what zone you're in, whether you're even in Sydney or Australia or across the other side of the world, is the fact that this is a climate emergency and it's a critical issue that we need to now keep all fossil fuels in the ground. So opening up new fossil fuel projects and expansions at a time when we need to be doing all we can to reverse the effects is unconscionable. Yeah, and let's talk about the um, the actual eyesore that we'll be seeing. A lot of people don't realise that we will, I mean, there's a campaign that Surfrider Foundation have been doing that great campaign. Can you want to talk about the, the actual structures that we'll be looking at? Like, I don't think people realise that we will have, it's kind of like off the shore of California, they have them and they're such oh, eyesores. Yeah, they're horrible. It's really going to industrialise our coastline. Um, I think the closest in that they can drill is five kilometres, which will make those massive rigs you know, visible from land. So everybody who's now walking along the beach and enjoying the scenery or looking out of your beautiful view from your window, you're now going to be looking out at massive industrialization along the coastline. They're huge rigs. They often have flares coming out of the top. So you'll still be able to see them at night. Nice amounts of like flames coming out of our ocean. Oh gosh, um, and not quite fireworks. No, it's just... no, it's not quite. It's not quite fireworks, and it's just like a, a constant daunting reminder of the destruction that we're doing to our planet. So they're going to be there. They're going to be visible. Um, and yeah, it's just the whole project's just really sad and actually makes no sense. Yeah, and I dare say that you know whilst we have some understanding of what those rigs do in a destructive sense, we still don't know the full extent of what will happen you know, to our, what, you know, one to our pollution above ground and then also in ground, we just still don't know the full outcome of that. So that's concerning from that point of view as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially when we have so many other options now with renewable energy, why risk it? Yeah. So maybe let's talk about like what other solutions. So let's, you know, we're doing all this campaigning. There's a big push on it. So what are we trying to shift the narrative away from like what outcomes do we want are we looking for renewable energy groups to step in what outcomes would you like to see happen well i'd like to see the project completely taken off the table <laughs> um, yeah. and not allowed which would be great you know for now it's just get a matter of you know getting 
every single person who lives along that coastline, you know, from like the, the affected coastline, which could potentially be, you know, as far south as Wollongong all the way up to Nelson's Bay area, um, especially when you talk about the threat of a spill with, you know, mm. currents, winds and things like that. And so I'd really love to see every single person who lives within that area who uses the beach and cares about a healthy environment get on the phone or send an email out to your local federal MP and let them know that you do not want this to go ahead. We need to remember that these people are in power because we vote for them. They essentially represent us and they make decisions on our behalf. So as much as, you know, a lot of people don't like to get political, this right now is a political issue and it's going to take us all using our voices and uniting and standing together to stop this from happening. So like I mentioned before, the end game sits with Keith Pitt and John Bellalaro, um, but as much pressure as we can give, you know, their own parties um, and try and get our politicians to go in and go to bat for us and say, we don't want this to happen um, is going to be as helpful as humanly possible. So I'd say for now, get on the phone, you know, call your MPs and also think about what we're using in our everyday lives as well. Like everyone loves to cook on gas, but join those ties together that if the demand's not there, there's probably less chance that they're going to keep pushing for these projects to go ahead as well. So if you care about where you live, if you care about the world that you're leaving behind for your children, consider next time you renovate your kitchen um, to put in an electric cooktop and we can run that off renewables. Yeah. And, uh, aren't going to help us at this stage yeah it really does trickle down you know like it's it starts as a big issue but we all do and we can a lot of people are like oh i don't know what to do about it we will put down some links for some call to action i know that um there's plenty of information like save our coast has you know and it, they've made it really easy like you know search for your local mp which is a brilliant tool to have at your disposal so we'll definitely put some of those links and things down there what are the next steps like what's the timeline in between um, keep pressuring your MPs, um, we would like to do some paddle outs, but um, COVID restrictions is kind of stopping that from happening right now on a mass level. Um, but definitely keep your eye out um, through Surfrider Foundation and Australia's Instagram. We're going to be putting it out there on our Surface for Climate Instagram too. So we'll be sharing all the, the updates, latest information and calls to action. So if those paddle outs do happen, we would love everybody to come down and support. Past February 12th, I guess it really depends on what the outcome is of their decision. I was told that there's no certainty that the decision will be made on February 12th. They could make it tomorrow they could announce it on christmas eve and they could also go past that deadline in the decision making process so it's yeah. just a matter of, of like i guess keeping an ear out for when that that decision's particularly made and depending on the outcome if the 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 license extension is granted then um the next steps for asset energy or um, advent energy would be to put in an environment plan, which we also saw with the Great Australian Bite campaign, the fight for the bite. So um, they'll have to submit a, an environment plan, which then will be open for community and public comment um, for about, I think the, it's about 30 days. And when that happens, we need everybody to, again, like get in and comment and let these decision makers know how it's going to affect your life um, 
you know, economically is a top line because they like to talk about money. Mm -hmm. um, so how it's going to affect you economically, how it's going to affect your family, how it's going to affect your community. Um, and so that would definitely be the next steps in that. If the license is not granted, um, the license extension, then I would suggest everybody that cares about this now, um, take a look at the other things that are happening across the rest of the country. You know, there's very similar proposals that have been put out there, similar developments in the Otway Basin down here in Victoria for, for further gas drilling. Um, there's some disastrous projects that's happening up in the Kimberley offshore. There's obviously the Narrabri, which is um, in New South Wales, just got their, you know, first first leg of approvals in, which was quite, quite shocking and saddening. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if you give a shit about what's happening in your backyard, in your coastline, in the Sydney, you know, greater Sydney, Central Coast, Newcastle area, let's support the rest of these issues that are happening as well. So it might be as easy as jumping on and signing a petition, again, writing to your MP with concerns um, and, and, like I said, really being cautious and conscious yeah. about what we're using in our own homes. Yeah, and spreading the word and, like, if you've got friends, like, educating them, sending them, directing them to oh. a call to action website. I mean, that's why we're doing this because I was shocked to be honest, even my own knowledge uh, about seismic testing a little while ago was pretty limited. And I found that pretty distressing as someone who spends a lot of time in the oceans. So a question I wanted to ask you to give people hope is that the fight for the bike campaign was successful. So this, this can be done. So what was that attributed to? So what do we have to do? How can we replicate that so that we can get this over the line? Oh, of course. Well, that was communities uniting um, and people standing up and, you know, making their voices heard. So, you know, we saw tens and thousands of people across Australia all puddling out on a national day of action and making a big noise about the fact that they don't want our coastlines put in threat put in danger and put at risk. Um, so Equinor was the company um, that had the proposals in down in the Great Australian Bight. They're a public company. Um, so they do care what people think. And, you know, I think we made enough noise to push through to them that like this wasn't okay with Australian people. We had a lot of international support as well, especially over in Norway. Um, and it wasn't okay with them either. So I think it's just, you know, a really great indication that when we do all get together and make noise and stand up for the places that we play, the places that we love, the lifebloods of our community, that we can make a difference and that we can save them. And you talk about the word that I love is safeguarding. Like we want to safeguard this, but as a mother, how like education is so important. And we, we keep talking about this, like we want to leave it you know, with future generations in, in better care than what it currently is, like the whole world, not just Australia. So yeah. <laughs> in terms of a mother, like how do you approach that? How do you explain what's happening and how do you, how do you try and instill the type of work that you're doing with younger, younger people? I just try and teach my son as much as I can. I'd be really honest with him, but I also focus on the solutions. So I talk to him about the threats. I talk to him about the worst case scenario um, but then I, you know, highlight all the solutions and the amazing situation that everybody alive living on this planet right now is in, that we can, you know, we have a choice right now. Do we want to see the destruction of our planet and, and to be unlivable in, you know, 50, 100 years? Or do we want to be the ones that make a difference and turn this shit around? 
And so I think it's, we're, you know, it's, it is doom and gloom. It's tragic. It's frightening. It's scary. But it can also be so uplifting and empowering to know that the fate of the planet rests on the choices that we make right now. And so if you look into, you know, every choice that we're making, whether it be individually, because a lot of individual actions multiplied make a huge difference. Um, and then obviously systemically as well. So that's where it comes into to pressuring our politics to our politicians to do better, to implement better policies that are going to lead us out of this shit. <laughs> well, that's right. So, and, and educating like kids, I mean, they turn up to grow up to be people with one idea. Like I look at the organization, the ocean cleanup, you think about that, that's just one person who had the idea to be like, I'm just going to try this. I'm just going to try and see whether we can like get rid of plastics or like at least, you know, get them all in one big spot. So, you know, like I always think education is important because, you know, like let's not stop kids or younger people daring to dream that they have solutions, that they can experiment, they can try to find better ways. And if you're not into that, you know, like I'm into media, you can use your voice. There are many other ways that you can use your skills and assets to, for good in all areas, not just the environment. Completely. And I'm, I'm a huge believer that everybody possesses their own superpower. Yes, um, I love that. <laughs> if you can just lend that to the environmental movement or the climate movement for, you know, it doesn't have to be a long period of time, but just lend a little bit of that superpower out there. Um, and we're going to be in a much better situation. So no matter what you do, you know, you might be a great graphic designer, you might be a banker, you might, you know, be a sports star or an actor and have a profile within society like use all those things for good yeah. um, there's a lot of envirowalks out there that need volunteers and you know if you don't have the time and you have the money then you know donate pledge a couple of bucks here and there because it really makes a difference as far as, as far as kids go like i think we're already seeing with the whole school strike for, for climate movement like you know people all over the globe now caring understanding and wanting to do better and it's really it's a different world than what i was brought up in when i was in primary school or yeah, high school so, like none of these issues were talked about all the no. and now there's children leading the charge and so i think we all need to take note of that like we need to educate the next generation it's our responsibility to educate them as much as possible but I think in a lot of ways, it's our responsibility to listen to them as well, because it's their future and it's, you know, they're the ones that are going to inherit the planet. And so we need to listen to their wishes. And I think, you know, across the whole globe, it's been made pretty clear that they want a safe and flourishing future. They want a clean, green planet. And so it's our responsibility to, to take action on that. I mean, and it's undeniable. I mean, look how much the ocean covers of our earth. And I always say to people, you know, the ocean and the earth, the trees, it just gives. It abundantly gives. It just is plentiful and it just continually gives and repairs. Nature is always fighting for us. Like it's always on our side. And oh, I get yeah. so distressed that we just take. I mean, I'm a big fan of balance. And obviously we're here and we have to, to work out the balance between that to live and survive. But there are better ways. The balance is a really important thing that, you know, anyone who's enjoyed the ocean in any capacity should be concerned about this. You know, if you've, if it's such a big part of Australian culture as well, the beat. It really does impact everyone. Yeah, I completely agree. It, it does impact everyone. And even if you don't visit the ocean, it's going to impact you eventually as well. Yeah, <laughs> um, when we so have no ocean. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so I think, yeah, you're right. Like it's a time where we all need to look into our own backyards. If you live in Sydney, Central Coast, Newcastle, like it's your responsibility to make sure that this project doesn't go ahead. We may not be able to stop what's happening on the other side of the planet, but we can damn sure take care of our own backyard. Yeah, that's exactly right. And like you said, it's that ripple effect. If we can do it, that might give someone, you know, I don't know, in California dealing with their own marine crisis that we can, we can also do that. But I did want to touch on, I mean, you're an ambassador for Take Three for the Sea, which just is such an amazing, an amazing organisation. And it's so simple. I love the simplicity because if things are too hard for humans, they won't do it. You know, like they, yeah. <laughs> if, it, if it has too much effort, it's not going to be something they consistently do. So can you quickly talk a little bit about Take Three for the Sea? Yeah, they're such an amazing organisation. They've been around um, for quite a few years now and they've really been the leaders, especially here on the East Coast, with that whole anti-plastics movement. Their message is as simple as it could possibly be, which is to pick up three pieces of rubbish every time you leave the beach, the waterway, the river or even the park. Um, and that's just a little way where we can help make this place make make all these places that we love better and give back so like you said just not constant taking but um also giving so that's like one really small thing we can do and i think it's a really great gateway picking up those pieces of plastic from the ocean it's a physical thing you can see it you know you can see the effects that it has i don't know if anybody's ever witnessed a dead turtle or dolphin or bird wash up on the beach mm. um, but it's horrific it's so sad to see that loss of life and to know that that's happening because we let rubbish fly off our beach blanket or you know you maybe just simply didn't pick up what you saw yeah or you're and drunk partying on the beach and just decided to leave all your beer bottles and stuff exactly or your cigarette butt or you know a little bit of fishing line or your bait bag like you know that's that's the cause of death of our marine animals yeah unfortunately yeah. It shouldn't Sorry. occur. There's no reason why it should occur. You're totally right. It's, um, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I think it makes us look a little bit deeper into our consumption as well. So um, Take 3 have been really great also in leading the charge with the messages of, you know, keep cups and not using bags or straws and things like that and just eliminating all this single-use plastic that we simply don't need in our lives. It's bad for the environment. It's bad for us. And it's also bad for the climate because the majority of it's made out of fossil fuels. Well, that's right. And I think for those people who do get overwhelmed, and I understand that, that there's so many issues. It's like, where do you put your attention and time to? I completely get that. But the, these tiny incremental things you can do, like, you know, getting a, a, a metal straw or whatever, it, it helps. It all helps. So never think that it's, it's not going to help because it, it certainly does. And I am someone who's recovering from a lot of um, health issues and plastics. I had like my heavy metals tested and I had huge amounts of plastic show up in my test because we just consume it. So it's not good for you on any level, let alone no. for our, our environment. So yeah. Completely. Um, I think, I mean, there's, there's been studies done that say that we consume a credit card worth of microplastic, microplastics, uh, per week, which is insane because it's now infiltrated into our drinking water. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's been studies done where it's in the majority of beer. So it's obviously in our food, it's in the fish that we eat. Um, so yeah, we just really need to start 
turning that around again. Um, yeah. And the best way to that is not to use it. Don't consume it and demand better off these companies that you're buying your food from as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it's just, there's no limits really to where you can continually make these changes and strive for, for something a little bit more positive. Uh, and also you've recently started another organisation, is that right? For the yeah, Surface for Climate. Do you want to tell everyone about that? Yeah, so we're a Sea Roots movement that's dedicated to positive climate action. I think the fight for the bite um, happened about a year ago, which was about the same time that I was sort of, the, uh, the whole idea kind of resonated. Um, I'd just been to a workshop with the Climate Council who had kind of explained and given us all like a really in-depth 101 on the effects of climate and how they're going to impact every aspect of our lives and particularly our oceans and I just thought well it looks like the surf community in and coastal communities of Australia are ready to you know really jump out and protect the places that they love and you know the number one threat like when you dive past all these local issues like PEP11, which is obviously so important, um, and plastics that we brushed upon as well, is climate. And um, we need to start conveying those climate messages. So at the start, we really want to act as um, just a bit of a portal where we can relate and intertwine a lot of the effects that are, we're already seeing along our coastlines. Um, you know, obviously the bushfires last year, which fueled, fueled by climate change, they incinerated millions of animals. Our wildlife bought, burnt out all the bushland, including frontal dunes, mm. um, and choked our lineups as well. We're seeing coastal erosion up and down the coast of Australia. Again, I know coastal erosion, just like fires, has always occurred, but it's getting worse and worse. Um, right now, as we speak, Byron Bay is getting washed away. <laughs> there's waves yeah, washing up. This is so true. Mm. I spoke to a friend this morning. He said there's waves washing up in Main Beach Car Park. Pandanus trees are coming down. There's waves hitting the surf club. And, you know, these events, this frequently is not normal. It's all attributed to a changing climate, changing weather systems. So that's, you know, another thing where we're just seeing these impacts on our coastlines front and centre. There's obviously ocean acidification that's having huge effects on our coral reef systems up in the Great, Great Barrier Reef, um, as well as our, you know, island neighbours are also seeing effects of that and heat waves in our oceans. We all know that it's causing coral bleaching up on the Great Barrier Reef, 50% of it's dead, it's tragic, but we're also seeing impacts of those rising water temperatures along our coastlines, you know, here in Sid down, down in Sydney, here in Victoria, um, you know, where we've got higher than normal summer sea temperatures and it's definitely having effects because we're seeing, you know, different ocean currents. We're seeing, you know, red, red algae that's washing in and it's just not normal. Um, yeah. And so as surfers, I think, you know, like all outdoor people and people who love nature, we have a responsibility to protect these places um, and we should want to for whether it be from, you know, selfish reasons because we love it so much. Yeah. Um, or <laughs> we love surfing. Like, I'm a little bit selfish. I love surfing so much that I don't want to see these places, you know, vanished and washed away. I don't want to see a perpetual high tide where not working i like <laughs> a sucky low tide i need that otherwise i can't get on the way and that, sounds, the time. <laughs> oh, and it sounds so selfish when you consider that 
you know, there's the very existence of like the Torres Strait that's threatened from being washed away. Yeah. Um, you know, but we all need to, to band together and do what we can. And so we want to really draw those links with the climate messages. We want to get all servers involved and we're going to provide ways in order for people to take action. No matter where you are on your environmental journey, we realise that there's people that are really far advanced. They've been doing things for years and years to make the world a better place. But then there's also a lot of surfers, beach users and individuals who are really new to the yeah. concept of you know acting on environmental things let alone climate and you know we want you we want you to come in and and take part in this and take action no matter how small that is so it'll That's be right. things you know individual action that you can take in your own homes things like divesting your money is a fantastic way to make a shift in you know fossil fuel uh, expansion so there's a lot of institutions that are funding fossil fuels mostly our four big banks here in Australia and a lot of our super funds. So your money is doing that. So if you take that out and uh, instead invest it in banks and other uh, leading super funds who don't invest in fossil fuels, that's like a really great way to, to make positive change um, and something that's not, you know, it may be time consuming for a day, but after that, you're not touching it, you're not doing it and your money's working for you. Um, and then there's obviously the political route as well, which we've brushed upon. So um, lots of different ways for people to get involved. Yeah, that's right. Thank you for sharing all of that. There's so much information. We will put links down the bottom. Have you been Great. surfing much or have you not been uh, lately? Well, I've probably been spending more time behind my computer than yeah. I'd like. <laughs> um, and really trying to educate myself as well on a lot of these issues. So obviously, as we know, like the more we learn, the better yeah. we can better decisions that we can make. Um, but I have spent some time in the ocean. I actually just got out not long ago. I, the wind was offshore and the day is beautiful and sun shining and the water is just this absolutely beautiful shade of aquamarine. And so I went surfing for a couple of hours this morning and it was incredible, such a good experience. And I'm counting down the seconds till my son gets home from school. I'm going to take him back out for and maybe Do a little again. bit of a dive underneath as well. There's no hierarchy. Like you said, you know, wherever you are in your environmental journey, like we all have to start somewhere. We all have to ask questions. There's no shame in it. Just by taking that step to ask and be like, hey, can you explain a little bit more about fossil fuels? Like that's how we're going to help each other. So having that ability to open up and ask questions is really going to help. Oh, totally. Um, I was told a long time ago, there's no stupid questions. There's only stupid answers. So <laughs> I have right. a a huge, huge question, um, you know, always asking questions to my peers and to my friends and just trying to learn as much as I can. And it's, it's better to be educated than to not ask at all and, you know, just learn as much as we possibly can. And, I, you know, the other thing I think which is just amazing about surfing is that it's a real equaliser. It doesn't matter what identity you're from, background, religion, um, you know, whatever it is and even social status like we're seeing surfers and you know not you don't even have to be an an amazing surfer like just anyone out there using the ocean it, the, it's the a zone where you know it's a sacred place we come together and unite there and it connects us all and it kind of washes away all those elements and we're just yeah. out there as humans um as part of nature and so yeah. i think as much as we can kind of immerse ourselves in these places the more it'll just be a constant reminder of, you know, what we yeah. need to say. Thank you so much for sharing the knowledge that you have. Hopefully we've been able to 
give a better picture, provide a better understanding of what needs to take place and whether you're called to be involved in some way. So thank you so very much, Belinda, for your time. Glenn, reach out with any questions anyone has too. <laughs> thank you. Me too. Fingers crossed. United, yeah. we will overcome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you so much, Belinda. <laughs>